chapter seventeen of the splendid outcast by george gibbs this librivox recording is in the public domain recording by tony oliva jim makes a guess horton did not look at moira and quickly sought out the tall figure of the astonished irishman who stood by the table glaring angrily what's this monsieur de vautrin he asked i beg pardon said horton quickly but my departure has been delayed by the necessity for presenting some evidence which had been overlooked by mr quinlevin a trick monsieur de vautrin stormed the irishman i'll have none of him and moved toward the door into the corridor but jim horton had reached it ahead of him and quickly locking the door put the key into his pocket turned quickly his height topping quinlevin's his bulk dominating him i'm afraid you must said horton coolly must quinlevin struggled for his temper and then realizing that he was doing his cause no good shrugged a careless shoulder and glanced toward the door into the adjoining room and your companion de voyage is she to be with us also he said insultingly for moira's benefit horton met moira's glance as she took a pace forward toward him by what right do you keep me here against my will she asked in angry disdain he faced her coolly by every right you've given me to act in your interest whether you wish it or not i'm quite capable of looking after my own affairs she cut in quickly he smiled quietly if i thought so i shouldn't be here will you unlock that door she asked icily he did not move and his level gaze met hers calmly no moira he said gently i won't oh she gasped furiously then turned her back and went to the window where she stood silently looking down over the garden without noticing her further horton turned toward quinlevin you seem to have forgotten your conversation with me in the hospital at neuilly mr quinlevin and the intimate blood ties that bind me to your fellow conspirator harry horton quinlevin had sunk into a chair in an attitude of careless grace and playing this old gambler's game smiled grimly up into the face of the enemy your talents for the dramatic will be getting you into trouble mr horton i've only to be asking moira to shout for help from the window to land you in a jail but i confess to some idle curiosity as to your reasons for this behavior and i warn ye that when you unlock the door i'll see you into prison at monaco in the meanwhile i'll tell ye that what ye say will be held against ye and what of the evidence i hold against you barry quinlevin the evidence of a deserter from the american army quinlevin sneered let it be brief and to the point corporal horton you don't alarm me said horton calmly i've discounted that give me up to the provost guard and my brother will go on the witness stand against me but against you too mr quinlevin in monsieur de vautrin's interests horton laughed easily as the irishman refused to reply come perhaps it won't be necessary to go so far as that if your friend tricot had done his shooting at marboeuf a little lower neither piquette nor i would be here to oppose you jim horton saw moira turn from the window with startled eyes at tricot's name but he went on carelessly but here i am and i'm not easy to kill mr quinlevin if i came through at boissiere wood i'm not likely to get hit now so you'd better listen to me 
i've been doing little else these ten minutes mr horton said quinlevin yawning politely i won't waste any more time than i can help but when you promise nora burke five thousand pounds for telling a lie i want to give her her money's worth he turned to the old woman with a frown as he caught her off her guard but quinlevin broke in quickly see here horton i've had about enough of this the irishman rose furiously but horton took a quick pace toward him keep your hands out of your pocket quinlevin he shouted warningly i'm younger than you and quicker that's better and monsieur de vautrin you will please close the window the interview is apt to be noisy the irishman knew that he was no match in physical strength for the american and so he sank into his chair again horton near him in a commanding position where he could watch nora burke he was conscious of moira's gaze from the corner by de vautrin she had not spoken but he knew that he had her attention again five thousand pounds for a lie he said distinctly over quinlevin's head that's true isn't it nora but the woman had had time to regain some of her composure after the sudden shock of his first accusation and turned on him defiantly tis not she replied and the man lies who says it even if it was mr quinlevin himself said horton say nothing nora the irishman's voice broke in quickly no one can make you speak but when he says silence horton shrugged as you please but she'll have to answer later and it won't be so easy then five thousand pounds is a lot of money it's a lie silence from quinlevin it's a mighty small sum nora burke for so big a lie when the woman opened her mouth to speak again quinlevin silenced her with a gesture but her face was flushed and she shifted from one foot to the other glaring at her tormentor who it seemed had just begun his inquisition horton smiled at her grimly it's a mighty small sum nora especially as you're not going to get any of it unless mr quinlevin has other means at his disposal i want no money from mr quinlevin then you're just lying for the fun of it do you happen to know what the penalty for false swearing is in france don't let him frighten you nora interjected the irishman it's excommunication said horton grinning at his own invention nora was silent but her face was a study in her varying emotions she had not bargained for this and her knees were shaking under her quinlevin's laugh reassured her a little i'm not believing you she muttered you don't have to believe me but you'll wish you'd never left galway when monsieur de vautrin's lawyer gets through with you and nothing at the end of it all but a french jail i never did any harm in my life except to forget to speak the truth you're getting old nora maybe that's what's the matter with your memory because monsieur de vautrin is certain that the facts about the birth of his child are quite different from those you've related you've said that mary callenby's child was this very girl called moira quinlevin i did she was blurted nora furiously and before she died that very night she gave the child a christian name she did you're very sure of this nora warned quinlevin i'm sure of it why wouldn't i cried nora when i was hearing the very words of her tongue and the child was a girl 
yes a, a girl quinlevin rose glaring at horton silence nora then why insisted horton if the child was a girl was it given the christian name of a boy a boy nora burke started back a pace her round foolish face usually florid now the color of putty nora quinlevin roared keep silent you hear but it was too late to repair the damage done horton had not taken his gaze from nora burke's face and he knew that he had struck his mark he was aware of moira who had come forward and was leaning on the table near him watching as eagerly as he jim horton shrugged and brought quickly from his pocket a small red book which he opened at a page carefully dog-eared this little book is a dictionary of french and english nora it's a very good dictionary here's a page of christian names in french and in english here you are patrice patrick can you tell me in the name of all that's sensible why mary callenby named the child patrick unless it was a boy nora gasped for breath once or twice glancing at quinlevin who shrugged and frowned the name upon the birth certificate is patricia he growled then who changed it asked horton keenly glaring at nora not i sir i i can't write she gasped jim horton laughed it couldn't have been father riley or dr finucane perhaps mr quinlevin will produce the certificate when the time comes gasped quinlevin you'll see it in a court of law and the death certificate of your own child too mr quinlevin asked horton amiably ay that too he stammered in his rage as he faced the american but you won't be there to see for on my evidence you'll be shot my friend the masquerader i'll have to run that chance moira's voice tense shrill with nervousness broke in as she caught quinlevin by the arm no never you will not dare i forbid it well see to that the duke who at last seemed to have recovered his initiative came forward with an air of alacrity perhaps monsieur horton it is just as well if you now unlock the door horton looked at his wrist-watch willingly oblige me monsieur and he handed de vautrin the key unless there are some further matters mr quinlevin wishes to discuss jim's gaze met moira's for the fraction of a second and brief as it was he seemed to find a glimpse of that fool's paradise in which he had lived for a while and then her glance turned from him to quinlevin as she moved past horton toward the door nora burke her stolidity shaken her arrogant mien fallen amid the wreck of her probity sent a fleeting glance over her shoulder toward the long mustaches of de vautrin and stumbled after moira but the duke was in high feather again and fairly danced to the door will you give me your paris address that i may send you the money mr barry quinlevin he shouted after him into the corridor there was no reply quinlevin's clever house of cards had toppled and fallen but horton followed down the corridor when they turned the corner and watched what happened at the landing the irishman made a gesture and the two women went in the direction of their rooms while quinlevin passed down the stairs 
when horton returned to the room the duc closed the door and came delightedly toward him ah mon ami it was as good as a play how did you know that my child was not a girl but a boy i didn't know it sighed horton with a laugh i guessed it but you must have i got to thinking last night the whole story was a lie why shouldn't this be a part of it but a suspicion wasn't enough enough for a starter monsieur you'll admit it might have been a boy just because you always thought the child was a girl that didn't make it one i lay awake phrases in quinlevin's talk in the studio came back to me and i began to think about the name patrice he said a little hard to read patricia it is just phrases but this meant something female me boy a little illegible horton turned with a quick gesture why should the name patricia be illegible when all the rest was clear but you said nothing of this to me muttered the duke i wasn't sure i sent out for the dictionary it had the christian names in the back patrice was patrick there wasn't any patricia you french have a way of giving males and females the same names anyway madeleine i knew a frenchman in america with madeleine for a middle name aulnoy might be anything a family name yes your wife wanted your family name in it but she wanted her father's name too patrick so she called the boy patrice we can prove this now i think assuredly monsieur said de vautrin you are a genius no i'm only a good guesser but it worked i got the poor thing rattled and when i saw nora's face i knew i'd hit with the second barrel outside it was getting dark horton went to the window and peered out monsieur de vautrin there's nothing to keep you here now he said it may be even dangerous to remain you must go away incognito and by the first train you've been very careless with your affairs lay your entire case in the hands of your lawyer telling him all that has happened here and sending to ireland for a careful search of the birth records of the parish of athlone but you monsieur what will you do i shall stay here a while there's something else that i must do and piquette i will see that she returns safely you are very good monsieur said the duke will you forgive me for my suspicions yes if you will promise to give piquette the affection she deserves she is a child monsieur with great impulses both good and bad what she becomes will depend upon your treatment of her she has saved me from great trouble bringing you my savior horton moved into the bedroom and picked up his hat don't let that trouble you he said and then offered his hand glad to have met you monsieur au revoir i will see you in paris in a week but don't waste any time getting out of here allez tout suite you understand paris in a week monsieur and with a quick wave of his hand horton went out and walked rapidly down the corridor the interview with quinlevin had served a double purpose he had succeeded beyond all hope in finding out what he had wanted to know and he had so occupied the irishman's time that piquette could proceed unmolested in making an investigation of her own 
he hurried up to her room to meet her as agreed watching the corridor he knocked by a preconcerted signal there was no reply after a moment he opened the door and entered the room was empty piquette was fearless but she was also clever it was her thought that barry quinlevin would take no chances with the original birth certificate and other papers in the apartment of monsieur de vautrin it was her suggestion that she be permitted to take advantage of the absence of quinlevin and his party to make a thorough search of the rooms for any private papers and in this she was aided and abetted by monsieur jacot in the office of the hotel to whom she explained as much as was necessary and who provided the keys and wished her luck in her undertaking jim had allowed her an hour for the investigation during which period he had promised to keep quinlevin prisoner here then piquette reached new heights of self-abnegation for in helping jim in the cause of moira she worked against her own interests which had nothing to do with moira quinlevin jim had opened her eyes to her obligations to monsieur de vautrin but she had done her duty merely because jim had asked it of her he had kissed her as though she were a queen she could never forget that but in spite of any mental reservation she may have had in doing something in the interest of the girl jim horton loved she was conscious of a thrill of keen interest in the task that she had set herself and piquette went about her investigation methodically waiting on the steps from the upper landing until quinlevin and the two women had entered the room of the duc when keys in hand she made her way quickly to the rooms quinlevin had engaged there were three of them ensuite with connecting doors and with a quick glance along the empty corridor she entered the nearest one an ancient valise and a flannel wrapper proclaimed its occupant nora there might be something of interest here but it was doubtful for barry quinlevin was hardly a man to leave nora in possession of any documents that were better kept in his own hands but piquette nevertheless searched carefully and for her trouble found nothing the door into the adjoining room that of madame horton was open showing how quickly and easily an entente had been re-established between moira quinlevin and her old nurse at the threshold of this room piquette paused glancing with a delicate frown at the articles of feminine apparel on bed and dressing-stand <laughs> she sniffed scenting the air delicately her chin raised violette then she approached the bed and took a white garment and rubbed it critically between thumb and forefinger <laughs> said piquette again a pair of stockings next a small slipper which she measured with her own shrugged and then searched the suitcase and dressing-table thoroughly of paper there was nothing not even a postcard the door into barry quinlevin's room was bolted on the side where piquette stood she went back through the rooms that she had passed to be sure that nothing had been disarranged locked the outside door of nora burke's room as she had found it and then went back to quinlevin's door which she opened quickly and peered around 
here there was a field for more careful investigation a suitcase a dressing-stand a bed some chairs a closet all of them she took in in a quick inspection the suitcase first and if locked she meant to take it bodily away it wasn't locked she had a slight sense of disappointment it contained a change of underlinen some collars socks a box of cigars and a bottle of irish whiskey all of these she scrutinized with care as well as the cloth lining and the receptacles in the lid and then arranging the contents as she had found them straightened with a short breath and looked elsewhere no monsieur quinlevin would have hidden such important papers more cleverly than that where then in a place so obvious that no one would think of looking there for them that was an ancient trick well known to the police but after she had looked around the room she examined the bed minutely running her nimble fingers along the ticking of the mattress the pillows dismantling the bed completely and then satisfied that she had exhausted this possibility remade it skillfully next the dressing-stand inch by inch inside and out then the upholstery of the chairs straightening at last puzzled and yet she knew that the birth certificate must be in these rooms somewhere she moved the rugs examined the ashes in the fireplace the baseboard and moulding took down the pictures from the walls and then baffled sank into the armchair for a moment to think could quinlevin have taken the precaution to leave the documents in the safe at the hotel rue in nice or would he perhaps have deposited them downstairs in the strong box of the hotel de paris in that event monsieur her friend would help but her hour had not yet expired there were a few moments left where else was she to look she glanced at the picture moulding the walls the electric light brackets by the bed and dressing-stand then rose for a last and possibly futile and despairing effort she ran her sensitive fingers over the bracket by the bed it was affixed to the wall by a hexagonal brass plate held by a small screw she tried to move the screw with her fingers but it resisted so she ran to the dressing-stand for a nail file and in a moment had moved the brass plate from the wall a patch of broken wallpaper and wires in a small hole but no papers she screwed the plate carefully into place and turned to the other fixture over the dressing-stand this was her last venture but she had determined to make it and felt a slight thrill of expectation when the screw of the first bracket moved easily in her fingers she loosened the plate and as it came out from the surface of the wall there was a sibilant rustle and something slipped down behind the dressing-stand to the floor eager now with excitement she thrust her fingers behind the plate and brought forth some papers these she examined quickly in amazement then carefully screwed the bracket into its place recovering the other paper that had fallen to the floor success the papers that she had taken from behind the bracket she could not understand 
but the paper that she had recovered from the floor was the much desired birth certificate of the dead child the light was failing but in the shadow of the hangings of the french window she stood and read the name patricia madeleine aulnoy de vautrin she was filled with joy of her success and so absorbed in the perusal of the paper that she did not hear the small sounds that came from the adjoining room nor was she aware of the tall dark figure of the girl with the pale face who for a long moment had stood in the doorway watching her in silent amazement and it was not until moira spoke that piquette turned the papers hidden behind her and met the steady gaze of the woman jem horton loved what are you doing in this room asked moira steadily End of chapter 17